Section 8 of The Lion's Brood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. The Lion's Brood by Duffield Osborne. Disgrace. While these things were happening, for the most part in the sight of all, Sergius had been able to gain a moment's speech with the dictator forcing his way through the crowd of tribunes and officers who thronged the praetorium he had found fabius seated before his tent and had told his story in the fewest words possible naked but for his torn tunic and his cothurni covered from head to foot with blood and mire his left arm hanging useless and his face like the face of a dead man neither his miserable plight nor his story brought softness to the stern lips and brow of the general you have come to tell me this he said when the other had finished speaking do i not know it now and he pointed to the heights then he turned away and spoke with someone at his side while sergius stood with downcast eyes swaying and scarcely able to keep his feet among those around him his fate seemed hardly a matter of conjecture but a thrill went through the company when minutius who had been vainly arguing the dictator to support the guards of the passes now turned away in disgust and noting the disgraced officer as if for the first time cried out in a loud voice what my friend have not the lictors attended to you yet for venturing to play the man sergius felt the added danger to which the master of the horse had exposed him by using insubordination to point such a moral to his commander but the face of the dictator gave no sign that he had even heard the taunting challenge calmly he gave his orders for cautious scouting for breaking camp and for the army to resume its patient march of observation along the flank of the retiring foe then when one after another had retired to fulfil his commands he turned again to the waiting tribune i have been considering your fault he said slowly and I had marked you out as a much-needed victim for the rods and axe. Go to my master of the horse and thank him for your life. His taunt was doubtless meant to destroy you, in order that he might play the demagogue over your fate. I accept it as a challenge to my self-control. It is more necessary that I should show myself wise and forbearing than that one fool should perish for his folly go back to rome and tell them that i have many soldiers who can fight and that i want only those who can obey utterly exhausted sergius struggled vainly to withstand this last crushing blow his composure was unequal to the task and sinking upon his knees as the dictator turned toward the tent he could only stretch out one hand and murmur the axe master i pray you the axe Fabius paused a moment and eyed him grimly. Then his rugged, weary face softened slightly. I trusted you, he said. Could you not trust me for a little while? But go to Rome, as I bade you. Only there shall others go with you, and you shall bear for your message, instead of that one, this, that there is no room for wounded men in my camp. But I shall be well in two days. In one, I am well now if you say it. Fabius shook his head slowly. Esculapius has not been unhonoured by me, he said, and he has told me that you will be but a burden for many days. For this reason go to Rome, and for two others that you shall not tell of, 
one for punishment because you could not obey and one because the time will come soon when rome shall need even the men who can only fight sergius saw the hopelessness of struggling against his softened fate bitter though it was open disgrace indeed had been turned aside but on the other hand he was doomed to inaction during times when all rome longed only to strike and he could not but feel that he had fallen far in the estimation of his general end of section number 8